2: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com
1: slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You know, have you noticed as well that on loads of adverts and stuff now, they just scrimp on money by, there's loads of like robotic voices doing mm. adverts and stuff. AI, they're
2: taking there's, the voiceover artist out of it. They really are. You know, there's precious little money in being a, a faceless, plain, balding, middle-aged man who's not wanted for telly. But voiceovers, we still had, you know. This is no ordinary m salted caramel millionaire cake. I mean, all that kind of stuff. Mm. And I was made for that, like I Miriam know. Margolis. And now? I'm like the male Miriam Margolis.
1: Yeah, I keep seeing adverts of AI AI voiceover work. It it's would just be outrageous. like, this is no ordinary millionaire shortcake. You like?
2: And think what's, what's going to happen with cricket commentary in the future. That's just going to be an absolute nightmare. Here comes Anderson, three slips, galley, point, extra, mid-off, mid-on, and a long leg. Crikey, Moses. There won't even be an abstruse lengthy metaphor at the beginning of it.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Zero Ducks Given, and I am joined as ever by England legend and rapid ex-England bowler Stephen Finn, and the sort of Poundland Jonathan Agnew, that is Daniel Norcross as well. And it's lovely to have them both here. The sort of straight to DVD Jonathan Agnew, that is Mr. Daniel Norcross. Lovely to see you both. <laughs> oh, God, here he goes again. <laughs> have you been, now, as far you, last time I left you, you're wearing that exact ridiculous poncho that you've started wearing, holding a kazoo. Mm. As far as I know, in a week, you haven't moved.
2: Well, it's so cold here. I, I, I haven't. I've just been frozen into my study. I have moved, but um, yeah, I, I, the poncho worked. And it's still cold. So now, have, still you, have you got really out the house service. in the poncho
1: yet? Because that's the next step.
2: Hmm. No. I haven't actually worn it in anger, so to speak. But then in fairness, since we last spoke, and that was like, a, was it a Tuesday or Wednesday night? Might have been a Wednesday or something. Um, I have only left the house like twice. Have you seen what it's like out there? There's, there's been no point. I went mm-hmm. in search. I think as, as any middle-aged man who's just done his house up, I went in search of an antique uh Circular dining table with ideally with a hidden leaf, um, a, a new coffee table, um, a captain's chair for my study, and a dresser. Uh, and I've and I'm not been able to find one that I like. So I did that twice, and became despondent. And then I just sat in and watched my players in the fantasy football league take me to the top of the table with a magnificent 18-point lead over second place, and now into the top 3,000 out of 11 million in the world in this stupid game that you've made me play.
1: We so, will yeah, come I'm... to your fantasy football exploits a bit later on, but I have to say, it is absolutely ridiculous how well you're doing at fantasy football. for a... Well, this is it, but for a man who never leaves the house, just sits around mm. in a poncho, I guess it's, it's easy when you've got that much time to dedicate to fantasy football. But we will come to that at the end, because normally I give you about... 30 seconds at the end of the podcast but I will actually give you a moment in the sun because your fantasy football is getting quite ridiculous. Uh, we'll come to that. Uh, Finney, how's things in, in your life at the minute? Uh, looking forward to working with your official Sussex partner Steve Smith in the near future?
0: Yeah, there's been a bit of a hoo-ha isn't there on social media about that this week but I think anyone who's got any sense I think will see it as a good opportunity for the young players at Sussex to play with one of the world's best batters and for the people playing against him to play against him. Um, yeah, I think the warming him up for the ashes stuff is nonsense. He's got a good enough record over here anyway, without without this making too much difference. So yeah, looking forward to it. I know him from playing against him a fair bit um, and having a lot of mutual friends in Sydney with the the people that I'm friends with over there. So looking forward to welcoming him to the south coast for a few weeks and, and hopefully we can show him that it's a lovely place to live
1: i am annoyed once again that i had to find out this information about steve smith signing for sussex via the bbc sport website I mean, one day we'll get an exclusive from stephen finn these things are happening right underneath his nose we had joffa archer coming back to cricket but steve smith both his teammates and yet, I have to constantly find out from everyone except Stephen Finn. You'd think having Finney on the podcast would have its advantages. And so far, yeah. I'm yet to see what those advantages it's, are. It, he's,
2: not even, he's not even told us whether Delray Rawlings is signing a, a full red and whiteboard contract
0: or, or any,
1: anything. Give us I some mean, juicy gossip. Exactly. Come on. I well, tell you what, I
0: reckon, with... what, have we, what did we do the other day? We said that we'd made our first revenue and it was probably about the price of a burger each. So... Divide 110 episodes by what a burger is. I'm probably getting paid about seven pence an episode, so it might take a little bit more than that to be able to get some actual um, gossip and transfer rumours out of me. Everything's transactional with you. It's absolutely, it's and, and, Life and, and, isn't it? We're in 2022. Well, there's no romance
2: no, anymore. We're in, we're in 2023.
1: We are. Yeah, I think, think,
2: yep, think yep. you're fine. <laughs> I, 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 I think you'll find that there's a wind of change sweeping through this country, and people are Where? sick to death. People are sick to death of the grasping culture where everything is only attached to money and they want to get their society back. They want their community back. You're, you're, the, these attitudes are going to be outdated in a couple of years. You are going to be swimming against the tide of popular opinion.
0: Well, maybe at the next general election. I'll, I'll change my mind at the next general election. Maybe I'll no, turn well, into well, a well, different well, look. person.
2: I mean, <laughs> since we're on the subject of politics, which we very, very seldom veer into, but... Um, has there been any talk amongst the the PCA about going out on strike in in support of the nurses and teachers and ambulance workers? Because I mean, I think that would send a massive, a massive, massive signal. If um, if, for example, you know, the first two rounds of the county championship were wiped out by a players' strike as they went out in sympathy, that would be
0: um, well not in be sympathy. I'd do. say maybe for workers' rights. I mean, I should probably be petitioning for that. The amount of time I've had injured in the last um, in the last few years, you know, some sort of um, Contractual clause that means that you can't have your contract ripped up. I'm not sure. Hang um, on,
2: you're getting paid while you're injured, though, aren't you? Unlike all the people on zero hours contracts who are well, delivering yeah, but there all are the things certain, to your door.
0: <laughs> yeah, but there are there are clauses in your contracts that say that if you're not fit for a certain period of time, you can just be released immediately. So, oh, yeah, maybe maybe we need to go on strike to get those things changed. Go
2: for it. Go for it, militant Finney. I'd love to see I'd like to see you on the news like Mick Lynch, you know, fronting up. <laughs> against the uh, the Conservative Minister for the Department of Culture, Media and Sport.
1: He's an
0: entertaining watch, Mick Lynch, isn't he? Oh, he's, he's a very entertaining
1: he's watch. Very, I mean, there's, he's absolute box office. Are you suggesting... Daniel the, Ross, the even. Because at the minute, you know, I mean, before we go too far into politics, but nurses have come out today on the day of recording and complained that mm. they've actually not been spoken to by the government at all and that they feel like they're negotiating through the press and the teachers mm. aren't happy and the rail workers aren't happy and lots of people rightly aren't happy. And you're saying that if the county cricketers went on strike in support of these emergency keys, yeah. that could be the difference. So, for example, you think the only thing stopping a complete real rebuild of the NHS is Callum Parkinson. Yeah. If he re- if he refused to play for Leicestershire in the first game of the season, you reckon that could be what yeah. finally sways well, it?
2: I'll tell you for why. And it has to be the county championship that does it. Because, you know, as, as we know, the current government has got quite a sort of gentle nostalgic view of how it would like britain to be you know sort of back in the 50s the sound of leather on willow arriving for a red ball game i mean they think you know if they went on strike during the 100 that wouldn't make any difference at all but if you want to shift the dial with these tories if you were to take out they'd be waiting and waiting and waiting for the first round of the county championship six months of agonizing wait and if they then had to wait another one and it was unlimited you know they didn't know before you know it a whole load of retired lieutenant colonels will be banging on the doors of local Conservative Party offices up and down Kent and Sussex, demanding that the government come to an accommodation with the nurses so that they can get their four-day county championship cricket back. And I think that would be a, a great outcome for everyone.
1: Well, you go well if you're listening. Just any sort of you know, middle of the road county cricketers like you know Billy goddleman all those names. If you if you're willing to refuse to play the first few <laughs> rounds of the county championship, you could just save this country. So over to you, <laughs> Wayne Madsen. <laughs> and whoever else, and why whoever, are you so
2: obsessed with Derbyshire players? I don't know bro. why I've got
1: the two <laughs> Derbyshire players there, but that's, that's you know, they're, 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 that's because, let's be honest, because Derbyshire is, and no disrespect to the Derbyshire fans listening, but if you're going to pick meaningless, obscure county cricketers, you're looking at Derbyshire, aren't you, really?
2: I think you are. Lewis Duploy. Colin Ackerman, let's see if we can get, get all of them involved as well. <laughs> Nick Brown of Essex, where are you?
1: Yeah, take come on, Brown. Take up
2: my pads and walk. There'll be picket, <laughs> picket lines across the country. Who would cross the picket at your club? Get in touch with us now at Zero Ducks. Who would be the scab
1: strike breaker? Yeah, <laughs> we should just have a, a category at the start of each podcast where we list niche county cricketers and then guess whether they would be willing to cross the picket line or not. Yeah. <laughs> feel free to tweet us at Zero Pod or get in touch on social media and throw some names at us and then we'll make a judgment call here on the podcast every single week, basically. Now, Steve Smith, as you mentioned there, Finney, I do want to talk about him a little bit more because you made a very good point that I saw lots of uh, cricketers who played in the heyday, if you like, of county cricket, saying that playing alongside and against some of the best cricketers in the world was great for their development. I also love this idea at the minute on on social media. Basically, there's a there's a little wave of England cricket fans who are pissed off that Sussex have signed Steve Smith saying, oh, why are we letting him come over here and acclimatise to English conditions for the Ashes? You know, we might as well, you know, I might as well give them the urn now. You know, why are we letting Steve Smith play himself into form? It's worth mentioning he's just scored consecutive big bash centuries for the Sydney Sixes, including 125 not out of 66 balls just the other day. I don't think Steve Smith playing, was it, three county games for Sussex is going to be the difference between him having a good or a bad series in in the Ashes this year. I think Steve Smith's probably going to be okay despite, and that's not a criticism Finney of Sussex, but I, I think Steve Smith will be all right.
0: Uh, Yes. Yeah, I think he might be all right. I mean, hopefully from an English perspective, he scores runs for Sussex and then not for Australia. Um, that would be the dream scenario for Um, for us but yeah he's a world-class player um, and I think the benefits of having him inside your dressing room and what that may give the young players that Sussex have as opposed to the people who are crying about it on social media um, I think the um, I think the the positives far outweigh the negatives
1: Norcross as a man you know who remembers a different generation of county cricket this was quite a common occurrence. This isn't a, a new idea to come over here and get your eye in. And England used to do it but the other way around when they toured around as well. Well, they, didn't, they wouldn't come and get their eye in
2: because what used to happen was that, uh, you know, in the times before IPL and T20 leagues and what have you, England was like India and every county had three overseas pros and they could play two of them, I think, in each game. And so there were 51 before Durham was around and 54 overseas players. Who played regularly in England. And what it meant was that when they their countries came to play in England, they were very acclimatised to English conditions. They also played against really good bowlers in those conditions. So the very best bowlers in the world were all here. All the best West Indians were here. The best Pakistanis. Um, not so much Australians, weirdly. They they didn't do it too much. They were a bit more like India, protecting their players. So Lillian Thompson, what have you didn't didn't really come very often, Thompson for Middlesex for a while. But it meant that the quality within the game within the county game was higher in relation to the quality of other countries first class cricket at the same time because they had the very best players in the world playing against each other and it's obviously fantastic for fans i mean you can't one at the same time go on about how much you love four day county cricket and then be upset that steve smith is there to play to watch it's fantastic And, you know, he's playing in the second division. This isn't a dig at second division. It's the opposite. It's, you know, you get to see second division cricket, which people decry, and you'll have possibly the best red ball batter in the world playing in it. And who wouldn't want to see that? When I was a kid, I could watch Barry Richards and Gordon Greenwich playing for Hampshire. I could watch Vincent van der Baal and Wayne Daniel bowling for Middlesex, Sylvester Clark, Malcolm Marshall. It was thrilling. It's what drew people to the game. Um, I think it's just insane. It's fantastic that he's coming. It, uh, the more of them that did it, the better. The, the difference is that, of course, they only play for a few games, so people don't like that aspect of it so much as it doesn't feel like they're committing back in the 70s and 80s because there was no other cricket on in the world. There were no other leagues. Overseas players would come and play from April to September. And that was obviously preferable for everybody involved, but probably from the players. But um, nowadays that's not practical. So you just take what you can get, and if you get three games of Steve Smith, fantastic. Hopefully, he will be playing one of those, at least one of those games against one of the, the better sides in Div Two. I can Yorkshire, for
0: example. They're playing Yorkshire. No, That'd he's got Leicester away, um, well, Worcestershire 100. away, and Glamorgan at home. 100. So you've got that's a triple hundred. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a triple, a double, a triple. You've got Labashain and Smith playing against each other at home. Yeah, Brilliant, that's. I mean, like you
1: say that, I mean, that's right. It is exciting for fans. You know, the sometimes it cuts to a four day game, especially if it's a bit windy and cold on, on the South coast. And there's about four people sat under blankets, wrapped up watching the game. But I think if Smith and Labuschagne are against each other, that's going to be exciting, especially if you've got Stephen Finn playing, Ollie Robinson, Joffre Archer, or names like this. Yeah, but also thing, he mentions it's exciting for the fans, but Must be exciting for the Sussex dressing room as well. I mean, he is a megastar. Now, for you, who's been around and played against megastars and alongside megastars for a long time, but it's a very young team at Sussex. Is the WhatsApp group going off? Are people talking when you see them? I mean, because it's been swirling around in the papers the last few weeks that Steve Smith's probably going to sign for Sussex. That must be exciting in the changing room, surely.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's currently four people in the changing room here at Sussex because everyone else is either on England Lions tours, under-19s tours, or away playing cricket in sunnier climes. But yeah, the four people who've been in the UK have talked about it. And uh, yeah, it's a degree of positivity that it brings to the club. I think when you announce a signing like that, there's obviously a lot of changes going on here this winter with Paul Farbrace coming in as coach. Um, Shadab Khan's been announced as the club's overseas player in T20 cricket. We've got Pujara coming back. So yeah, it's certainly... Makes for a more positive atmosphere in the place, and makes people hopeful that you can have a better season next year than you did um, than we did last year.
1: Who are the four people left behind in the dressing room? I'm guessing yourself and three others.
0: Well, yes, obviously, well counted. Um, it's myself, <laughs> Thank you. Tom Clark, who had ankle surgery, so he's um, he's on the slow moving list, such as me. And then we've got Henry Crookham, a lad from Eastbourne. And we've got Jamie Atkins from um, from Horsham. And there are a couple of other guys knocking around Ari Carvales, who did really well in the one-day stuff. He's just started coming in again and Delray Rawlins is here before he goes to Argentina for the um, to play for Bermuda in the World Cup qualifiers.
2: At last, a scoop. We've got a scoop. Delray right. Rawlins is going to Argentina to play
0: World Cup here qualifiers first. for Bermuda. Yes.
1: <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> this is huge. Finally... It only took 110 episodes and we've got a big, sexy exclusive. I knew Raw- it would
2: be Delray Rawlins based. I knew it. There was something, there was just something that was just screaming to me. If we're going to get a story out of Philly, it's going to be about Delray Rawlins.
1: And you, you sort of preempted it by wearing a poncho, a very Argentinian yeah. poncho. Very Argentinian. Yes, yeah. can see this me on the huge. campus. <laughs> this is mad. Did you say that the you and the other bloke who's injured are on what's something called the slow moving list? Well, no, I just,
0: I, just, I just called it that, but yes. I'd love that not... if I was up
2: on the up on the dressing room wall. It's a
1: slow-moving list, medium-moving <laughs>
2: list, quick as I whip it.
1: <laughs> I was like, if they're on the slow-moving list, what would Norcross be on? That's what I want to know. The backwards but, list. I, I also
2: just love this image of like a sports club, a place where our finest professional athletes are gathered, and really you're just wandering into the waiting room of hospital where people are shuffling around on crutches. Just <laughs> really,
0: That is what I'm doing at the moment. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Just really, really slowly. Oh, bless you, Finney. Finney. Uh, now, we need to talk about another batting legend who sadly will not be playing any county cricket this summer. And that is one of the greats, Hashim Amla. He has announced his retirement from cricket at the age of 39. Norcross is devastated because obviously he's, he scores an absolute barrel of runs for surrey and they've replaced the sangakara runs with ambler and now they're gonna have to replace the ambler runs with somebody else but um finney ambler i mean i mean i say he's a legend but i mean well, you, let you me were just all see. Over let
0: me ask him he's just in my pocket hold on
1: <laughs> <laughs> you you were all over hashim Amler. he had no answer for stephen finn did he
0: well no he did score hundreds against me a number of times um <laughs> But he's a legend, isn't he? He was always so humble and lovely to play against. But then you knew that when you're out there in the middle, it was a battle. Um, And he's one of those guys who were just so calm under pressure, you would never be able to tell what state of the game or what stage the game was at. He was always level-headed and calm, which I think was one of his greatest strengths to make him one of the world's best batters. His numbers in ODIs are ridiculous. When he started compiling, I think he's the quickest to... Um, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000, 6,000, and 7,000 runs, something like that, in terms of games played. So he was really phenomenal in that format. And then playing against him in tests, like, yeah, I got him out a few times, probably four or five, but I I would say he, in the balance of things, he probably won the overall battle. When he first started in his
2: first series against England, he he had an absolute shocker. He kept on getting trapped LBW. And uh, and and just nicking off to the one just outside off stump, and then at the end of that series, he seemed to just slightly move himself across. It was a, uh, just a touch, and I just wondered, Finney bowling at him. It, what when you are watching him or commentating on him, his command of the off stump was sort of frightening. As a commentator, you couldn't actually see how you were going to get him out because he seemed to have that area in complete control. What did it feel like to bowl at him? What were you trying to do to get him out?
0: Well, yeah, his judgment was amazing. You're basically trying to bowl a Jaffa to get him out, one that angled in towards off stump and then left him, uh, that forced him to play at it. But because he was off across on off stump, his judgment and the way that he was able to judge those deliveries was unbelievable. And I think that he didn't have that much margin for error either because his back foot punch and cut was so strong. If you started trying to bowl wider of the stumps to him, he'd pick that off. Um, And then as soon as he came straight, he would just help help himself into the leg side. So yeah, he was very tricky. And he's one of those guys, similar to Steve Smith, who bats on off stump. Those guys who go across and who are very good players are very hard to get out because you sort of feel like you're losing a couple of modes of dismissal by them batting there. So yeah, he was certainly one of the hardest people that I ever bowled at. But it was always a good battle. But what I just want to delve a bit
2: further into that because obviously some batters then try to emulate it. So we saw Ollie Pope, who's a really terrific offside player, move himself so far over to off stump that he was basically, he'd, he'd stopped being able to score runs off his preferred shot because he was now standing, if anything, outside off stump and then got bowl behind his legs as well as nicking off. So, what is it about players like Amler and Smith? I mean, I suppose their eye is it and the leg side play that. Because I'd obviously there are balance. dangers
0: to being to being on off stump. There are dangers to that, aren't there? There are, but I think it's your balance as a batter. I think if you watch Steve Smith for all of his movements that he does, his eyes are very level when he stops on off stump and his feet are very still. And that gives you a solid base to be able to work from. I think that if you're not used to going across to the off side, you can sometimes lose your balance and it makes you uncertain about one where your off stump is. And then makes it even harder to hit the balls that are straight at your pads. So, yeah, one of the things that I think that Amler was so good at was his balance. If you watch him bat, his eyes were always, always level. And you felt as though he was always playing with the full face of the bat. And he played to his strengths. I think it's all very well watching guys around the world bat a certain way. but And I fell foul with it with my bowling before. You start trying to emulate the people who are better than you all have different styles to you when the best thing or the best piece of advice that you can ever give anyone is to work out something that works for yourself and I think that that's why batters like Hashim Amla who started international cricket relatively late age-wise give themselves the opportunity to play enough domestic cricket enough cricket in general to work that out for themselves whereas someone such as Ollie Pope who is I think our best young batter in the country, all right, Harry Brook's been amazing, but um, until Brook appeared, I think Pope was our best young batter in the country, but he was playing test cricket at 19 or 20 years old, whereas Hashim Amla had seven or eight years of domestic cricket under his belt before he played international cricket. So I think that's probably the big difference between the two.
1: What advice would you give to a 31-year-old man with a bad back and nothing's ever worked for him? Uh, Give up. Okay, good. I'll pass that on to my friend. Thank you, thank you for that. I <laughs> A genuine question about that, though, because Steve Smith and Amber and those batsmen. So I guess when they're batting over there on off stump and you do need to bowl, almost adjust everything a little bit wider to almost make the new line the old line, if that makes sense. How difficult is it as a bowler? We talk about bowling wide Yorkers nowadays and how you have to have sort of every delivery to get away with not going around the park in T20 and white ball cricket. But how difficult is it to adjust a tiny amount? Because you guys spend ages working on the perfect stock delivery, I guess. And then when you actually just have to move your line in length a couple of centimetres sometimes or inches, how tricky is that? I mean,
0: bowling is this thing that, I mean, it's not as... You just have to stack the odds in your favour, I suppose, is what what I'm trying to say. I think unless you're a freak like an Anderson or a Dale stain or a McGrath, like those guys who've been at the top of the game or were at the top of their game for a long, long time, your ability to bowl a ball three inches wider, no one can really do that because there's so many moving parts within a bowling action. It becomes very tricky, but what you do try and do is stack the odds in your favour. So if I were to try and bowl wide of the stumps to someone, I would adjust my position on the crease. So rather than bowling it towards off stump, you're then changing your position on the crease to just bowl exactly as you were, just on a different line. Some guys are a lot better at me than doing that and are able to disguise it a bit more. But you have to find something that works for yourself because bowling is such a such an individual thing. But certainly, especially when I was bowling to Smith, I think to Amler I set more conventional fields, but when I've bowled to Smith before, you really do try and pack the onside, sorry, the offside and keep it away from the onside and bowl so wide of the stumps and hope that he plays a false shot whilst he's out there.
1: Whilst uh, whilst we're on this topic, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but there was one in the pink ball test at Adelaide when James Anderson for one spell went round the wicket to Steve Smith, which I've always thought looks like such a good option because of the uh, sort of angle his back comes down at and really caused him some issues. And then no one seems to have ever really committed to that plan again. They've done it for overs here and there. This summer in the Ashes, I'm going to be shouting at my TV screen for people to bowl round the wicket to him uh, until it happens. And Finny, if you can just message the guys England dressing room, just tell them I've cracked it. Say okay. I've been speak to my mate Toby. He's a genius. He's worked out to get Steve Smith out, and you're welcome.
0: How How are you going to get him out from round the wicket?
1: uh just probably snicked off mate just ball a little just bit just stop. snicked off okay yeah, just sneak yep. him off, mate. snicked off from round mm. the wicket yeah it it will go you go round the wicket but you are still just bowling just outside off stump but from that different angle and the angle that his back comes down you're just going to bring first slip into it. play first slip into play and uh and I reckon he'll probably average like I don't know 15 20 if he's lucky I'm happy if you want to message the England setup, I'm happy to go out there and do it in the first test and show everyone how it's done. Well, and why
0: then... don't you send out a tweet with all your social media influence and tag yeah. Jimmy Brody, Ollie Robinson, England cricket and say, yeah. guys, I've cracked it. Yeah. And then maybe even a video of you doing it to someone in the winter nets just to show.
1: I'll get Pippa to pad up tonight.
0: Yeah. Well, well do I'd you know, like to see it in the winter nets. It's, it's
2: not the maddest, it's not the maddest theory because. New Zealand had one that's not—it's so not the same, but it's similar. Which they kept getting him out with Wagner, banging it in short, and Smith getting out caught at like backward square leg, not even deep backward square leg, and a leg and a leg gully. The grounds
0: aren't big enough here.
2: Yeah, I guess. But if you had someone as quick as Archer coming round the wicket and peppering his body, bit body line-ish, leg gully it or a deepish leg gully for the pace, it might come off. I don't know. It's not the craziest idea. Thank I
1: you. Just... Now, Finney, what? Look, you're going to have access to Steve Smith for about a month later this summer. Why don't well, I I'll just come down... do it in the nets? The whole what? well, yeah. Do you know what? I would love you to. I'll come down, down and to do Sussex and I'll show you how it's done. Right? Just actually, get... you
2: against Steve Smith. I I think he'd struggle against you. I think he's. You'll be I mean... so dog shit
1: because
0: <laughs> they, 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 they the really good players cannot face dog shit. It's true. Let's make that happen. We're crying out for net bowlers. We. Every professional team, that's what no one realizes, like, is every professional team is crying out for net bowlers to come and bowl at their batters to give them practice. So no matter what your age, if you were to be competent enough to be able to turn your arm over normally at a half decent pace, um, then you would Guilty. always be able to come and practice with a professional team. Let's do it. Let's do, it. Let's do two, it. This could be yeah. absolutely
2: superb. We can we can make it like a three way contest Perfect. between oh, all mate, three of you. I'll go we round
1: Yeah, round the wicket to Steve Smith because Smithy
2: Smithy
0: can bowl as well so all three of you can bat all three of you can bowl in the nets the batter will tell you as a net bowler what he wants you to do though so if you were to come round the wicket and start bowling at Steve Smith in (laughs) the nets he'd say to you you're bowling over the wicket, mate. And there'd be no, there wouldn't be a discussion. You'd just be told what's happening. I'd say, look, look mate, look. I'd say,
1: I'd have respect for you if you'd signed a contract from April to September. But right now, you're in my country and I'm bowling around the wicket at 68 miles an hour. And you're going to fucking say thank you for it. All right. <laughs> and and you're, absolutely, you're absolutely right. He's
2: both a guest in this country and at Sussex. And he'll be overawed by the stardust that will be glitter. It all over this. When he sees me and Toby striding mm. out there with, with cameras, with Sal with cameras, he he's going to you know, a old I mean, man in a poncho walking yeah, well, towards him. He's going to think, "What have I signed up for here?" He lives in Australia. There are no celebrities in Australia. It's a tiny country filled with nobodies. So well, he, he would
1: genuinely be awestruck. And any celebrities <laughs> that do form in Australia leave immediately. Kylie Minogue, she's never been back. Jason no, Donovan, Jermaine
2: Greer, yeah, yeah. they all
1: they all live in London.
2: <laughs> the bloke <laughs> who played Mike in Neighbours, what was his name? Um, you know, know, guy. He Pierce. probably lives in he probably guy lives Pierce. in Notting
1: Hill now. Exactly. Um, yeah, right. Okay. Well, we we'll get this. Kidman. I could right, go we'll, on. We'll get this. Yeah. We'll get Clive this guy in the background. I'll go. I'll I'll give Steve Smith a peppering in the net. So he'll he'll never forget. genuinely <laughs> though, I, I there is an argument to this. We had a, we had an overseas once. A guy called Jimmy O'Gorman, New Zealander, unbelievable best batsman I've ever seen at our club. Played like basically state cricket in New Zealand, and he when we were in Surrey Division Three, he could not buy a run, even though. He was the best batsman I've ever seen. We played one T20 game against Sunbury, Premier League side, Roland Jones and the like playing. Jimmy got 48 off about 20. As soon as the bowling was decent, he actually scored some runs. That could be, that's where we're going wrong with Labuschagne and Smith. Get yeah. me in the team. They, they've never seen anything like me, oh, but I they would don't love like see you
0: toil. I would love to see you toil for an entire test match. Oh, and see how broken you are at the end of it. And then when it comes to the end of your bowling, you have to go and face Stark Cummins and Hazelwood. Oh, oh shit. That'd be beautiful. I forgot about that, really that word.
1: I'd have to um I think nowadays concussion rules are so strict, I think I'd pretend to bump my head in the changing room and say I was seeing dots until the innings was over. <laughs> you don't need
2: to do that, Toby. You just be you need to face one ball and tread on your stumps. And as if you tread on your stumps properly, then you shouldn't get hit either. No, because if, if I'm just if... if you make a cause I've done it before, if you make a strong lurch backwards mm. and then pretend that you've basically tripped over the leg stump. You, you can end up in a sprawling heap so no. far away from where the ball would be. It can't hurt you, and no, you're out.
1: That's too dangerous because if I if I had to kick over the stumps, I've got to stay in line with the delivery. So I think I'd rather just lean on my bat next to square leg umpire and just tell them to keep bowling. Um, although to be fair, Hazelwood and Cummings never hit the stumps anyway. I'd probably bat there for. I'd be out there for about four hours. I'll probably do a job.
2: Hmm. Well, you could do an Ollie Robinson at, at Hobart and just run away at the square leg while flailing your bat in the general direction of what might have been the ball. That's Give that a, a
1: go. That's a bit of me, I reckon. I reckon Phil Tufnall, Phil Tufnall.
2: There's, there's loads of footage of Phil Tufnell a long way away from the Stumps. You
1: can, get, you can do this. You can get away with it. Right, Philly, I've got a question for you. Right, I always think this. I always think this in football terms. You know, in football terms, when like a striker, I think Cameron Jerome once went 33 Premier League games without scoring a goal, even though he's playing up front for Stoke like every week. And I always think, Surely in 33 games, a ball drops to you one yard out at some point that you just tap into the back of an empty net. How many balls, a genuine, how many balls do you reckon I had to bowl in test cricket before there was a lapse in concentration? A lot.
0: (laughs) You'd be surprised because blokes are ruthless. And if the track's flat enough, they're so desperate not to get out. Your only hope would be bowling at a lower order player. You'd get no one out who batted in the top eight, I wouldn't say it. But you like, might You might have someone slog one up in the air because
1: they're bored batting at nine, ten or eleven. I genuinely believe you entirely. Sometimes I watch the pros and I watch like an outrageous bowling attack and then you go and watch Hashi Amla bat for 350 balls and I'm like, if he's doing that against Anderson and Broad, then I reckon I could bowl at him for five days and not get him. I don't think I'd yeah, beat the bat.
2: But there's a reason why the Australian WhatsApp group was titled Steve-O's Gonna Get You. And it's because there's nothing that terrifies a really great batter more than someone who bowls 66-mile-an-hour dog yeah, but Steve O's a
0: The reason Toby <laughs> plays for the Surrey League Division 7 or whatever it is is because he bowls, <laughs> he's slow and he's crap. So he's slow <laughs> and, and I don't he bowls sw- them all over the place and they and don't move.
1: I'd like <laughs> to point out, I was going to say, and I don't swing it and I've got no variation. So that's <laughs> worth <laughs> mentioning. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry,
2: I was unaware of that. I need to actually watch you bowl, don't I? Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's a, very, that's a very good point, actually. <laughs> well, anyway, well, I look forward to my net with Steve Smith later this summer, and it'll be an honour <laughs> for him, I'm sure. <laughs> Now, we do also need to, I regrettably, I've avoided mm-hmm. it for as long as humanly possible, but we need to talk about fantasy football. Now, before, Daniel, Daniel, don't say anything quickly, okay? Because I need to explain this. So for people that don't play fantasy football, because this is a cricket podcast, and I appreciate you may not be a football fan, but I'm sure you're aware of it. It is a huge cult-like league where you basically pick 11 players every week with a budget and based on their performances in real life in the Premier League, you get awarded points. Now, I take fantasy football pretty seriously. I'm in a WhatsApp group where there's all sorts of punishments of people that finish last every week and people that win every week and stuff like that. Um, And in my league is uh, two guys in particular who take fantasy football very, very seriously. One of them has won the league pretty much every year in our league and has finished ridiculously high in the world. And he listens to all the podcasts and he has a spreadsheet and he spends hours on this thing every single week. Daniel Norcross, has come along, having never done fantasy football before, and let's be honest, not even being a massive footballing fan, has started playing fantasy football. Now, to put it in perspective, Daniel, the guy in my league who is an unbelievable fantasy football player, the best I've ever seen, is on 1,299 points. Ooh, one point, yes. Yes. You are 59 points ahead of him. I think my friend Dave who has done it a lot. His best ever finish is something like in the top 10,000 in the world. And that was a few years ago. Millions. I mean, millions of people play this worldwide. Where are you currently in the world standings?
2: Well, I haven't checked properly, but I think it's about three thousandth.
1: That is absolutely ridiculous. I can't explain how ridiculous that is. Every single time I look at your team each week Mm. and you make a transfer it, they are, are keep an eye on the scores and they they score or they get an assist or they get a clean sheet. You can do no wrong at the moment.
2: Well, yeah, I think luck is playing an enormous part in this. So and do I, I, I but I, still. I, I recognise I the heavy lifting that luck is doing, but there is some logic to it. So, I mean, I think my first team I put out was a three-five-two 5 2 formation and you came on to me and said, are you allowed to do that? And I thought, Surely you know you can do that. You get five midfielders in for start. It means that they can pick up points because I did read the rubric. You can pick up a point for a clean sheet if you're a midfielder and you can get loads of assists. So I try to pack my midfield with people who do assists and people who are basically strikers. So I was I was really keen to get Kevin De Bruyne in. You just see who's playing against each other, for God's sake. You know, Man United were playing against Arsenal, weren't they, this week? So I don't want to have a large Man United presence. The only Man United presence I really want is up front. I can't afford to have Rashford and De Bruyne and Holland because of the stupid budget thing that makes it really frustrating. So I had to I had to make a choice between the two. Now, unfortunately, I, I, I went with I went with De Bruyne instead of Rashford. And had I had Rashford, then he would have got me a bit more, probably just a little bit. But it was part of a tactic that allowed me also to have Mares, who I've seen has been coming good of late in midfield. And I needed also somebody unbelievably cheap, and this is where I got totally lucky. So I was watching Challenge TV late at night, and Bullseye was on, and I was racking my brains over who to stick in my five-man midfield so that I could afford the riches of De Bruyne, Fernandez, and Mares. And two things happened: Jim Bowen was going now, then now, then settle down, listen to Tony, and my wife was talking to me. And often you don't hear. Sometimes when people are talking to you uh, on the sofa at twelve fifteen, but she just was mumbling about how her dad had talked about this lad called Jared Bowen because his uh, dad's a West Ham fan. So I thought, hang on, Jim Bowen, Jared Bowen, he's dirt cheap. I've selected him. He scored two goals. Now these things are working in my favour. I don't deny. Every
1: (laughs) week, I've never (laughs) seen anything like it. You jokingly named your team in first place, and 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 you're in first first place. place.
2: and in first place, the point being that it's my quiz team name, so that if I'm in, like, second place, I I tend not to be much below second. It's either first or second, occasionally third. When they have to read out your team, they go, in first place, Finney's Marauders, second place, uh, Toby's Twat, third place, and in first place. And everyone then gets confused and goes, what do you mean, and in first place? We just had first place. So that's why it's called and in first place and of course it is for once they are fit to wear the fucking shirt and it's taken this long I haven't I haven't made it to number 1 until the last week or two now what's more important to me is the forfeit because I recognize that I'm just going incredibly luckily here but I still think you've got, you've got you're only 27 goals behind me if Kane scores 27 goals tonight you can go ahead of me that's true right? Yeah. That is true. So you're yeah. snapping away at my heels. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll... Um... So there, there has to be a forfeit, Yeah, it seems to me. Because you, you you ridiculed me when we first started. I did. I did. I, I was you arrogant
1: did? about the whole thing. And I, I genuinely thought, well, he's never done fantasy football before. He doesn't watch football. There's not much chance of him doing very well. And now you're basically the best I've ever seen anyone doing at this stage of a season, all the leagues I've ever been in, in about 10 years, I've been doing this. So um, I will, I will think of a forfeit. Um, and But uh, I have to admit, I am weirdly impressed, even though every time you explain your reasonings, um, it just gets more and more ridiculous. Uh, one final thing, and I can't believe we left it to the end of the podcast, but there was much more important things to discuss, like me bowling at Steve Smith. But there is a small matter of England playing an ODI at the end of this week on Friday the 27th of January you know Finney you modern cricketers all you you ever do is whinge about the schedule the schedule oh there's so much cricket there's so much cricket feels like bloody ages since I watched an England game you guys don't realise how good you've got it it feels like it's been an absolute lifetime since I last watched an England Mm, game I agree they're they're all mollycoddled the England lot nowadays yeah
0: well the last month has been a circus hasn't it with but it's three four T20 leagues going on at the same time it has I mean, if you're not getting picked up in those, like myself, then, you know, <laughs> you, you're battling a little bit, you'd have to say. Um, but yeah, it's it's certainly going to be nice to have international cricket back. Um, hopefully there's a bit more purpose and meaning to this ODI series than the one that we saw against Australia at the end of the T20 World Cup. Um, but we'll wait and see. Um, but yeah, everyone's over there. Everyone's acclimatised, aren't they? They've been playing in that T20 league. So... Uh, yeah, it's a great part of the world to play cricket, and looking forward to watching it. So are they just is,
2: is the England players who are playing in the SA T20, which I think there are a lot, and the others are just in Dubai at the moment. So no distance away, really. Um, do they just take like a week out of the the
0: T20 tournaments and then go straight back to them? Is that I can't remember how the scheduling works. Is that is that what's going to happen? I've got no idea, but yeah, I'd imagine I'd imagine so, unless they're just pulled out of the tournament altogether um, once they play that international series. I'm not entirely sure.
1: Well, I've what... got the squad in front of me here because yeah. it's, um, it's an exciting squad because there's there's some uh, returning names in the form of Jofre Archer and Reece Topley's back from his injury and Ollie Stone as well. Um, but there's also some big names missing. So Josh Butler, Moeen Ali, Joffre, Harry Brook, Sam Curran, Ben Duckett, Milan, Rashid, Roy, Salt, Stone, Topley, Willie and Wokes as well. So no roots, Wooks. no Stokes. Um So there's a few big names missing, but it's a pretty strong. Well, Stokes and exciting retired, team. didn't he? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So is <laughs> so, 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 yeah. probably re- not
0: a surprise. Well, yes, although he's
1: retired.
2: But does anybody? Ha- what, 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 let's let's put it out there. He's, do done the he's done a boxing is, is he retirement. Gonna- he's done a boxing retirement.
1: He's done a he's done a boxing retirement. I'm sure. I'm sure. to say there's a big tournament coming round, and he's fit. He might. I don't know. He might pop his head above from the trenches, but who knows? Um, but it does promise to be exciting. I'm very excited to see Joffrey Archer back in England shirt. Uh, just uh, one
2: thing, by the way, on on that. And I was going to I'm going to put it out there on the pod. Um, one of our four listeners is going out there. Oh yes, Jack Roberts. Okay.
0: Yes. How well, maybe... do you know what all of our listeners are doing every week? Well, it's, it's only slightly five disturbing. of them. There's only five. I can count to five, but they're meant to be infatuated with you, not the other way around.
1: (laughs) Now, I mean, no wonder that you're doing well in fantasy football when you've got, you sit up, you literally, you in between working for BBC and BT sport, sit at home in a pancho and do (laughs) fuck all all day. So much so that you you know what each of our individual five listeners is doing. (laughs) That's so no wonder you've got time to do fantasy football. It's,
2: I tell you, it's not fuck all. I've I've bought and installed rugs in this building, which has been quite the thing. You're wearing one of them at the
1: moment. (laughs)
2: I've got four and a half series through The Last Kingdom, which is preposterous, by the way. There's no way King Alfred's wife can still be alive. She's dead in 902. That's just for our Anglo-Saxon fans out there. Um, I've uh, started The Last of Us, which is superb, by the way. I've got a bloody list of books I've got to read for the MCC Book of the Year Award. It's freezing cold and expensive. And it seems like a good time to, to hunker down, be domestic. So I'm about to gad about. I've got to go to South Africa for three weeks. Then I've got to go to India for two weeks. You know, I'm a busy man, Toby. I need to recharge my batteries by watching an inordinate amount of TV and actually engaging in what's going on in football. But also, crucially, and this, I think this is something that you're not doing, just let the spirits talk to you. I mean, I mentioned this briefly, but I, I think I you've had, let enough had spirits talk to you
1: over I, the years.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I picked Martinelli in my side oh, simply God, because I was round, I was seeing Ellie Aldroyd, and she had told me that her brother Martin had just become a grandfather. And, and I, was, I was having to do my transfers, and I saw that Arsenal were playing at home and they've got a guy called Martinelli, and this was early on in the season, and I thought, the spirit's talking to me. He's going in the team. And I just think, if we could all just align ourselves a little bit more with the forces of nature and just stop being quite so you know, prickly and technical and all that and just get back to fucking basics and feel and breathe the spirits out there, we'd all be a lot more successful.
1: I don't think you can give anyone advice on breathing, since you make it look very difficult most days. <laughs> But also in Amongst All That Bollocks and Waffle was actually one quite useful thing because I see I keep seeing that The Last of Us advertised on Sky, but it's Very based good. on a video game and I never played the video game. So I keep thinking, Oh, do I need to have played the game? But I know you certainly haven't, because the only no, game I you didn't. probably last played was that original Pong. So I think I played a...
2: Defender. I played Defender and Pac-Man. Yeah.
1: Okay, well, there <laughs> we go. So that answers my question. If you like it and you haven't played the video game, then there was actually something quite useful in amongst all that waffle. They're good, and... it's really good. Finney, have you found anything useful about the last 45 minutes whatsoever?
0: Yeah, we actually talked some cricket sense. I right? hope for a change, we actually talked some technical cricket stuff about Steve Smith and Hashim Amla, which I think makes a uh, a welcome change from the drivel we usually speak. So maybe people have actually learned something cricket related this week, but I
1: won't hold my breath. And we learned that Delray Rawlings is off to Argentina. See you it's next week. Huge, huge,
0: huge, huge.